When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Buenos dias, world, from the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance. I'm Marco Wint. And I'm Rick Schwartz. And we're your hosts for Season 3 of Amazing Wildlife, a show from iHeartRadio Ruby Studio and the global conservation organization behind the San Diego Zoo and the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. Listen as we dive into the efforts here in San Diego and spotlight the heroes working worldwide to care for the species you know and love. Listen to Amazing Wildlife on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This could, could all go horribly wrong at any minute. Hello there, and welcome to Rantcast 132, entitled Jet Lag. That's right. Uh, I just flew in from Europe, and boy, are my arms tired. Oh, boy. I have been waiting to do that joke all my life. All my life. I've just, when, when will I have the opportunity? And what better opportunity when there's no one around to not laugh at it? Because I don't really think it deserves a laugh. I'm not sure. Maybe it's sometime um, when someone's said it, maybe early on during the first stages of flight from uh, L.A. I just flew in from the coast and my boy are my arms tired. Maybe then, uh, once, maybe in a... uh, in a small uh, cafe somewhere that was uh, not very hip. I don't know. I'd have to look it up. And I don't really care enough. It's something that I've never really uh, tempted to, 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 th- to think about or talk about. But uh, that's what I am. I am jet lag. Came in uh, yesterday from, uh, from Lisbon. And, uh, you know, you think when you're looking at that, timeline, I'm going, wow, well, I'm leaving here at 10 in the morning from there. I was going to leave at 1030. I mean, and then we left at noon because, uh, uh, you know, we're, we, there was problems here in New York in terms of storms yesterday and then uh, the the other day and then um, got in and was supposed to get in at like 1.30. 2.30 in the afternoon is when we got in. Great. And you're thinking, wow, you know, I'll catch up with my sleep. How tough could it be? But 2.30 is really, it's uh, later there. So I'm really landing at around 8.30. So by the time I kind of get going, uh, and starting to, you know, have a, a yet another meal because they give you one and a half on the flight, it's, it's about midnight. And then the and then golf was on the U.S. Open. You've got to watch that. Sure, but if you're an idiot, you have to fucking watch it. So, uh, and I couldn't fall asleep. Jet lag is not able to be awake, not able to sleep. Just somewhere in limbosity, in limbo, Bill. In your fuck, you just kind of when you lie down, you're not awake. You're not asleep. When you wait, when you're sitting up, you're not awake. It doesn't fucking matter. You were just, uh, uh, you know, a zombie. And that's how I spent my day yesterday. And uh, I was very, very lucky to be able to take this trip. Huge, hugely lucky, because that's what it is. Um, I was able during my life to uh, be able to put together 
uh, enough money to be able to take this trip. Because it, it, that's the problem. It's, it's really important for us to be able to, I had to get the fuck out of here, is what I had to do. Um, I needed out. I needed out badly. It was it, What was going on here was starting to drive me crazy. And I'd been sitting through it way too long. And it doesn't make sense. And I have no jokes for it because time, from time to time, as you can tell on, on, on the, the Rantcast, because there's, there's nothing funny about what's going on. It's ludicrous. It's stupid. It's like dealing with people who are living in a different reality that doesn't exist and they've made it up. It would, it's like if you were on drugs. And one group of people said, you know, uh, well, we're, you know, we're in this, uh, we're able to fly. And then we're leaping off buildings and, uh, and just, uh, you know, falling to the earth and dying. And people going, see, see how well they flew? It's, it, I can't deal with the, the fact that we are living in two separate realities. You know, call me old fashioned, okay? Because my arms are tired. Um, call me that. Okay, but, but son of a bitch, uh, it's just good, as I have said before, to get the fuck out of here and go to a country that doesn't speak your language and sit out there in, the, in a cafe or in a restaurant or wander through a museum and hear the voices, those dulcet tones around you that are not English. Spectacular. Just wonderful. It's, it's like the sounds of the ocean. There is no... Anger, no madness, no God damn it, uh, you're so full of shit. None of that. That's what they may be saying, but you don't hear it. And you don't really feel that that exists because they seem to be, yep, they do, a lot happier there. Not in London. They still seem to be like British, which you don't get that sense of really happy that you get that stiff upper lip thing, but they are, they're not as crazy as we are. All right? They may not be uh, smiling and they may not be like uh, the folks in Lisbon, uh, you know, who is? Those folks are really just uh, overwhelm me with the, the joy they seem to go through the day with. And that uh, seems to be elusive to many of us, including myself as of late. Not that joy was my the strongest currency in my realm. OK, uh, <laughs> that little twist. Uh, but the. Uh, it was really something to uh, to wander around. And, and in, in Britain, you hear it, but it's in that, you hear English, but it's not in that kind of nasty, negative way. Germany is different. Uh, that language will always kind of trigger something in me, being a Jew and having spent way too much time watching way too many, um, you know, kind of these, uh, you know, the Nazi stuff that I was shown as a Jew as a Jew, as the Nazi stuff that I was shown when I was in Sunday school. Yes, they did. And uh, you would have to sit through. And then the other millions of documentaries I watched to try to fathom what the fuck was going on and that shattering in, in German, which just is abrasive, it sounds, uh, at times. And they, it was always like, now they have comedy clubs, but back then you thought, wow, um, you know, that is not the, the, the language of comedy. I hear it better in my head than it comes out of my mouth. And they seem to be spritzing all the time. But uh, lovely people. Um, I, I was in Berlin. And so they were, they were quite, uh, it was, I'd been there as a kid, uh, 18. Um, actually, it crossed into uh, 
East uh, Germany at that time. The wall was still there. Uh, now to return and it was gone. Uh, to see the Brandenburg Gate in its glory without any bullshit around. Uh, but still wandering through that part of town, uh, what was the East German part of town, not really is as nice as the, uh, the um, what was the Western sector. But the language just got to me. Just too many, uh, too many films, too much of, uh, too much of it, of hearing uh, Hitler's voice one way or another. Too many movies, too many movies. Um, but then uh, Prague uh, and um, Amsterdam, and I'm just going to tell you Prague and Amsterdam, go there, just go there, go there, go there, go there. Uh, unbelievable, a picture book fairy tale. Uh, Amsterdam. You can wander around in that. Uh, they, the, um, the, these houses are, you know, 16th century, 15th, 16th, 17th century homes that are on the um, on their uh, locks, the uh, canals, schmuck, uh, that are just stunning. Uh, I mean, I've walked there for years. I mean, I've been there about nine times and uh, walked in the same areas. And you never see the same thing twice. Uh, just spectacular to walk through. And then there was Prague, which I really wanted to see and said, okay, fuck it. I'm just going to go on from Berlin. And, uh, and it was really uh, special. And there were so many statues there. Just not statues in the middle of the town square or uh, in front of a building, on the buildings, everywhere, on all buildings, like it was like it it had to be done. It was like a requirement. There was like a law. You want to build a building, you're going to have to put five statues up there. We got to honor everybody and every religious saint, every religious uh, personage, everyone, every king, queen, whatever, uh, knight. Um, and you're wandering through areas that have this fucking history, which we don't have. And that's the other thing. We, we act like we've been around forever, and therefore, we really know what we're doing, okay? And you've got this whole fucking group of people. You know, you go wandering around, you know, it's, it's, well, the 12th century it started, or the, you know, the 14th century, or, you know, look at this, and that was built in the 13th century. And what about the Nor the, the Normans, or the uh, the Norse, or the when they came in, or the Huns, and da-da-da-da, you just kind of stand around, but the statues in Czechoslovakia were just stunning. Just, but it, I don't even know. It, you just were kind of overwhelmed because there was so much. As a matter of fact, so many there were so many statues that I had to use. I have to use the word statuary, and I've never used the word statuary in a sentence at any time because there've never been that many statues. And it, I wonder if it's even the right word, but it seems to be. And I will move on. Just uh, the uh, the grandest of times there uh, to be able to go there, and uh, I am very glad that I could. I was over there initially, drawn there because I was going to go to see the Elton John concert, and that's what I did. Uh, and then I was going to be doing uh, shows, and I hope, and I'm, I'm I'm seriously sorry if I did not make it clear that uh, if somehow you missed. Uh, the information that the shows were going to be canceled or, and, or if you miss my apology, uh, I was supposed to perform in London. I will next year. I was supposed to perform in Amsterdam. I will next year, Belgium. Hopefully I will be there next year and hopefully in, uh, 
in Berlin and maybe even Prague, which was not on the list. And uh, Copenhagen this time again, and uh, maybe uh, Denmark and maybe Sweden, and uh, to try to do one last roundup in uh, Europe. But I really am sorry if you you didn't hear that I was not going to be there. Um, uh, we just had made the mistake of trying to get out a special and uh, do a push to try to get people to come out and see the shows. And it was, it was too late. You need a certain amount of lead time. We didn't have it. And I just pulled the plug because we weren't selling the tickets. And uh, because we really didn't do enough press, we did no press and very little advertising. And it just wasn't time. And my name is one that people go, oh, we've got to be there. We need to remind them with pictures and, and a little bit of spritz here and there. And uh, like the Germans, I spritz a little. So I really am sorry about that, but we will be back. Um, and I met somebody coming off the plane in Amsterdam and they said, oh, we came here to see your show. And I said, I'm really sorry. I'm not going to do it. I, I apologize. And they said, well, we didn't come just for you. You're about the fifth reason we came, which, which is nice. Um, <laughs> it put, I felt better about things and felt that I'd been put in my place. I also had the revelation of, uh, Something I really didn't want is somebody would turn to me, I'd be on some public transit and they would turn to me and look at me as if they recognized me. And I, I was not recognized a lot there. Um, hence the need for the advertising, but in, in, in all through in London and in Amsterdam where I'd spent even a ton of time, I hadn't been in London a lot, uh, but certainly my stuff has. And, uh, but I, I, but I was on the public transportation and people would, look and like they knew me and would give a gesture and I would, Oh, wow. And so I'd wait for them to say, to say something like, what are you doing in our country? And they would, instead they said, uh, would you, would you, would you, uh, like my seat because uh, you're old? Would you like my seat because you're old? And, uh, so that was that. And old I was, and uh, but I didn't take the seat. It was like, hey, fuck, you know, I can stand. This is like exercise. I, I need this time to be standing up because God knows how much longer I will be. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was a great trip, and I'm going to talk more about it next week. Uh, I promise you that because uh, there's some things along the way uh, that I would like to tell you about, uh, things that I saw, and... And also, um, you know, that, that feeling it was of relief being there where, uh, I mean, we're a country of all these states and you can, oh, I'm going to travel in the United States. Well, once you travel in the United States, you can't get away from us. Okay. You're going, you, it may be really different uh, if you leave here to go from here down to, uh, let's say, uh, Georgia, or, um, you know, let's say you wanted to go Atlanta. It's real different down in Atlanta. Yes, it is. But you're still going to bounce back against all the stuff. You can go to Kansas City, a uh, city I love. Uh, Dayton, Ohio, another one that I've always enjoyed. Huntsville, Alabama. You can go there. You can spend your time there. and uh, But it does not matter. It's not a question of where they are physically located, except for the fact that they're physically located in the United States. And you will be bombarded by our news. 
And who's going to win this election? Because, God damn it, it's only two and a half years away, so we better get on it now, and you better think about this. And is he going to go to jail? Is he not going to go to jail? What does this mean? Well, will he be able to turn the tide against himself? And, and, and what will, But will he, the others, will he be able to crush them and their tiny spirits, all of those who plan to run against That's nonsense. But over there, uh, London has three papers, three at least, morning papers that I saw in the place I was staying. Three newspapers, printed newspapers, with, with long, like a lot of stuff in them, as opposed to what's happening to us in terms of let's not give ourselves any information, let's guess. And in those papers, there's very little about us, unless it's something like the, you know, the him being indicted. Uh, most of it is coming through the TV, and a ton of it uh, of us is coming through the TV, and that's where they see us. They're probably in on the phone, bombarded. They bombard themselves because of, with our shit. And uh, so it's a little, it was, it's a touch inescapable, but it's mostly just, you know, law and order and uh, SUV and uh, SUV or SVU. I never get it right, uh, but a variety of our TV shows and CNN is there, but not our CNN, more of like a mix of of the, their news and our news, but uh, but they're watching us. They're watching us. And the one thing that they continue to ask every place I went, all the countries I went, London, Amsterdam, Berlin, Prague, and Lisbon, all of them, all of them, everywhere. The question was at some point during the day, if not once, not twice, three times at least, uh, what's with the guns? What's with the guns? What's with the guns? And I have to say that in London, I felt about as comfortable as I've ever felt anywhere. I just did. They are way ahead of New York in terms of having come through this pandemic, and it may have something to do um, with a safety net. I don't know, but they certainly seem to be further along than we are. Um, there doesn't seem to be this kind of uh, uh, the, the, this edginess that we have in New York that is returned, this kind of 80s edginess where people are, you just, needles are back on the street. And uh, the homeless, um, they don't seem to have found out how to deal with them. They've had all that time during the pandemic. They, were, they, were, they, they, they had um, found places for them before the pandemic, so it seemed. Uh, the police have not returned to uh, kind of secure the, uh, to basically provide the kind of security for those coming in from out of town and ourselves. And by security, I mean maintaining it as a secure place that you feel comfortable with your family, like you do in England. And part of that in England may be that they're not carrying guns around, nor were they carrying them around in uh, Amsterdam. There was no sense of that. But there was more trash than I'd ever seen there. And that was from a, 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 the, more, the most tourists I've ever, ever seen in Amsterdam. And I've been there at all times of the year. People are traveling to Europe. Uh, if you're thinking of going, if you're lucky enough to be able to do that, uh, wait till next year, because right now people are so desperate to get out. These places were clogged. It was not something I thought of when setting out to do this trip. But it was well worth the time, the energy and the effort. And I'm glad that I did. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. 
Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Buenos dias, world, from the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance. I'm Marco Wint. And I'm Rick Schwartz. And we're your hosts for season three of Amazing Wildlife, a show from iHeartRadio Ruby Studio and the global conservation organization behind the San Diego Zoo and the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. Listen as we dive into the efforts here in San Diego and spotlight the heroes working worldwide to care for the species you know and love. Listen to Amazing Wildlife on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And I'm glad to be doing this on uh, Juneteenth which I'd forgotten was a holiday because it's so new um, that I didn't, I'd forgotten. And now at least it'll, I think because of the trip, I will now be embedded in my mind that it is a holiday and an important one because it reminds us well, there was a time and because we're, we're basically telling people not to go to the library, the kids, you don't want to teach the kids about slavery. So at least I'll have one day every year we're on TV. They might talk about it or on the phones, who knows? But somewhere, with the idea that uh, history is dismissed in this country, when you wander through Europe, you got to fucking wonder why. All right? Oh, we, you know, and we don't have a lot of history. I mean, we, this is a nation of people who couldn't possibly memorize the history of any of the countries I went through. Okay? All of them go way, way fucking back. We go back 300 and what X years? All right? Uh, and um, we, we we could barely pass tests for that. And now we're saying, well, you want to avoid uh, these kids learning about slavery because they'll feel bad. I learned about slavery. I did not feel bad. I felt like you don't do this shit. What the fuck was the matter with us? And you don't do it again. Oh, and this is why um, certain things are the way they fucking are in certain states. Okay? And I think we have got to pay fuck attention. There hasn't been a better lesson than people trying to take away our the rights of our children to knowledge. If that if there's not a better lesson than than the the, the need for us to to understand what we did wrong so we can do it right, which is not woke. It's just called what you do if you give a shit. Oh. And now I'm home and now look at this, the adjective. The adjective's back. Uh, at least there I would stare, you know, and God knows what it was like to be, you know, living when the Catholic Church was strong, harming everybody in, in certain areas. But it, uh, this is really what we do here um, beyond belief. Uh, it also, you know, it took long enough for us to, to finally arrive at this, to finally say, yeah, it's over. 
okay, this is it. It is done. And we shall move on. And uh, I'm sure that there are people bellyaching today about it. And because we have got to, you know, be, you do not allow uh, the kind of casual acceptance of racism that has been occurring um, for the past six years or, or however. I mean, it's been there, but it's not been uh, that it, this open, that acceptance of it, where the someone who is being who's running for the presidency of the United States again uh, allowed uh, the nonchalance about it. Like, what do you mean? You know, and that people could finally go, boy, those, you know, God damn it. I don't need to put up with their shit. Their? Huh? What about your? And all of it's nuts because we are us. Stop it. I, I just am, I am too old to be living in two realities. And it has knocked me the fuck out. And there's no joke for it. I did the joke. I talked about it on stage before the shit hit the fan. And I, we wake up afterwards, come out of our homes, and what do we do? We're even locked more into that nonsense. And somehow these people get elected who really have developed a whole different view. Okay? It's like if you had two groups of people on acid and one group was uh, walking around on the ground, just kind of dealing with stuff. And the other group was up on the top of buildings, screaming that they could fly. And people were jumping off the buildings and, and literally falling and smashing some of the people in the street. And the people on the roof are going, see, they can fly, we can fly. Uh, that's not a great analogy, but it's close enough, especially when you're jet lagged. So um, uh, it was nice to fly home during Father's Day, I not being a father, I, except that I did bring my imaginary children on the plane with me, and they were terrific. And I, I was, uh, I was a, a little myth because, once again, no gifts, nothing, nothing from the little fuckers. My mother would always bitch about Mother's Day. She never, she always, it was like Father's Day didn't exist because they're not as important as mothers are. Going over there, I was really... Uh, Reminded, you know, as always, you, you don't need the reminder, but I, one of the reasons that it was exciting was, is that I got a, a, an understanding of, uh, of my father's appreciation for a painter, uh, Mondrian. I realized on the plane coming home and, and, while I, and started while I was there that I just um, really wished that I'd asked him so many more questions than I did. Just so many more about his philosophy, uh, which I had a, a, a good sense of from what he had told me to read, such as Catch-22, um, and the way in which he lived his life. But I really would like to have uh, talked to him about uh, his, you know, uh, what it was like to work in, uh, as a mechanical engineer and whether he, how much he enjoyed it or didn't enjoy it, and then how much he enjoyed uh, being an artist and, and what that meant to him and what it gave him, because his work is really splendid. And his favorite artist, Mondrian, who, whose work I got to see at the Tate Modern Art Museum, which was really quite something, the, uh, just extraordinary, just extraordinary, the, uh, the work uh, that, that I got to see there. And it was odd because I, I didn't realize, I thought it was just his work. It turned out it was in combination with a, uh, 
a Scandinavian artist, a woman who I, I did not know her work at all. And they put them together in part because of, of mainly uh, in part because of their philosophies. The philosophy was really, uh, the, they were the, theophists, theosophists, God. Wow, sometimes I stagger myself with my inabilities. <laughs> theosophists, and is inabilities a word? I don't think so. Uh, and if you, but you can't call it disabilities, but it certainly is a little disablement when it comes to some of the glitches I've been showing as of late. Lock me up for two years and I come out. You go, what, what do you remember? Nothing. <laughs> and I'm sticking to the story. Theosophists. Um, so that philosophy, I was wondering, I think my father would agree with that philosophy. I think he would have been interested. He may have known it. Um, but the interesting thing was is how much of an appreciation of Mondrian, which I did not have before because I thought he was, but the, originally when my father said Mondrian, that he liked the color. What did he, I said, would you like, he said his use of color, that he really had a keen sense of color. Um, and there may have been more behind if I, you know, pursued it um, because it was really, I always thought, it's got to be kidding because these are little squares of, of, you know, white, some different kind of off-color white and then red or maybe blue, some green, whatever, um, in a square or a rectangle. Um, and it was, and I never understood it. And uh, I always thought it was very static. And then, but watching his development as an artist, which they take you through in, in the, and they're not even showing you a, a ton of his work because they're putting it side by side with this woman. But I really was able to get a sense of it from, uh, and not that her work wasn't interesting, but I was really focused on my, my, my dad's idol uh, mentor in a sense. Uh, and um, so they, he, he initially was, a, he did a lot of uh, um, naturalist stuff. Uh, you know, you know, a lot of painting out in, in nature, hence theosophy, theosophists, um, which is like spiritual and having to do with seeing, finding God in the spiritual, finding God in the natural, uh, you know, in nature, uh, wherever you found God, it did not matter. That was what was important. And uh, so he, he had, uh, he had made the transition from doing these kind of uh, natural uh, nature uh, kind of uh, paintings that he did uh, and then began to focus on trees and then focused on leaves and the leaves, which had a certain motion to them. Uh, he dropped everything else except the leaves and the leaves morphed into these, uh, these squares, not just squares, but these units of, um, of uh, color that he, that he, that were in his, paintings. And uh, uh, I had never seen motion in those paintings in any level. I just saw them as very static. But but as you watched it develop, you, you went and stood there next and looked at the painting and you realized, my God, there is motion in this, which is unusual anyway. You know, you kind of get some sense of that in paintings, but mostly kind of a, in terms of a uh, more heady uh, more conceptual, but this was like, wow, there is a sense of movement here. Uh, and it had to do with some of the colors he put in and the color, 
outside the, on the band. Um, and I wish that I had at that time with my dad to talk about, but such is life. Um, you know, I was, the, the time that I had with him was exceptional. And, uh, so that's, that's the story from here. Uh, but I will be back next week. Um, and next week we'll start reading some rants, uh, that you have sent in. So start sending in some more. I will be here to read them. I'll have some time to do that now, and uh, I look forward to that, as I look forward to uh, to seeing you again. Well, at least seeing you through this insanity of the Cable Access Studio. Um, thank you for uh, spending time with me. Uh, as always, I've enjoyed being able to rattle on and prattle on in front of you, and I, I hope this is made some sense because uh, God knows I have, I've been in, um, I've been in, uh, I've been in a bit of a jet lag. Hey, and for those of you who've been wanting to get something off your chest, there's no better time than now. I've been saving up some old rants, but I'm looking for some new ones. So get them into me now at LiveLewis.com and I'll be reading a bunch of them next week. God, I'm looking forward to it. Thanks to all of you for listening to my Rantcast. If you have a rant you want to get off your chest, send it in to me at lewisblack.com forward slash live. You can think of it as therapy or whatever you want to think of it as. Just let it rip. And I want to thank the true stars of our show, the ranters and the splendid rants they gave us. Lewis Black's Rantcast was created and hosted by me. Aha, Lewis Black. Our live rant audio was produced by James Salkin. Our theme song by Chris Lane. Executive producer, Ben Brew. Executive producers, Matt Kleinschmidt and Robert Kelly for the Laugh Button Podcast. Buenos dias, world, from the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance. I'm Marco Wint. And I'm Rick Schwartz. And we're your hosts for season three of Amazing Wildlife, a show from iHeartRadio Ruby Studio and the global conservation organization behind the San Diego Zoo and the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. Listen as we dive into the efforts here in San Diego and spotlight the heroes working worldwide to care for the species you know and love. Listen to Amazing Wildlife on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Buenos dias, world, from the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance. I'm Marco Wint. And I'm Rick Schwartz. And we're your hosts for season three of Amazing Wildlife, a show from iHeartRadio Ruby Studio and the global conservation organization behind the San Diego Zoo and the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. Listen as we dive into the efforts here in San Diego and spotlight the heroes working worldwide to care for the species you know and love. Listen to Amazing Wildlife on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.